morning, everybody. Welcome to Wednesday night service. How is everybody doing? Amen. Aren't we glad it's September? And I mean, you're getting those fall time vibes hitting you. No? Okay, I am. So, you know, bear with me, everybody. But we are excited for this time of year. Uh, we are getting into some good stuff in the coming weeks. Uh, as we get into Harvest Fest season and the holidays, it's going to be absolutely awesome. Hey, let's go ahead and stand up together tonight. We are going to open up by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America. And we're going to keep declaring that this nation is coming to Jesus. Amen. Let's say this together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America, in Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord some praise tonight, yeah. And you may be seated. All right, well, let's get into some announcements here. First of all, I want to remind you that uh, we have children's ministry available for all age groups on Wednesday nights now, and so... After praise and worship, uh, the older kids, I think it's second through fifth grade, they're in here for worship right now. But after praise and worship, they can meet their teacher back there by the lobby and go to their class. So uh, parents, uh, remember that. If we forget to say something, uh, they can just go back there with their teacher and they'll lead them to the class. Amen. So good stuff. All right. Uh, let's see here. Uh, the announcements won't be on the screen tonight. So you're just going to have to did like we did back in the 90s and listen. Anybody go with that? Can we do Okay, good answer. Wow, you guys, come on, wake up tonight. <laughs> All right, so here's the announcements. The women's meeting is this Friday night. All right, and Mrs. Pastor is going to say something. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, well, we're changing the format on the women's meeting. We're going to be doing a Bible study. We're going to be studying women of the Bible. And so... Used to be we would bring our little girls and all that kind of stuff, but I'm asking you, please don't do that unless they can read and sit down and study along with us because it's going to be pretty intensive, and I'm really super excited about it. 6.30 in Victory Friday night, the menu is bring a casserole, a dessert, um, a salad. Yeah, yeah, it starts at 6.30, but I'll be there at 6. Hey, there it is, ladies. Who's going to be there? Amen. All right. <laughs> And then we have the Marrieds event coming up for all the husbands and wives on September 15th from 6.30 to 8.30, okay? September 15th, it's a Friday, 6.30 to 8.30. There is free child care for ages 0 to 10, and you can register online for the child care at hdwc.org slash married, and you can sign up to bring a dish, all right? And then, I'm excited about this one, we have our family life picnic coming up on Monday, yeah, all right, Monday, September 18th 
from 5 p.m. to dark. It's going to be at the H Street Park. So that's Monday, September 18th. So anybody and everybody, come on out. Bring a dish, uh, you know, for your family and uh, maybe a little to share if you want to. The kids will play. The adults will have fun. But it's a great opportunity to meet more people at church and make some good connections, all right? And then this is a really big one right here. Again, you got to pay attention because it's not on the screen. But the, we're doing a parenting class. Uh, it's going to be starting in October. The name of the class is Intentional Parenting, all right? And it's helping us to be intentional and have some goals with our parenting. And so it's going to start on Sunday, October 1st. It'll run for five weeks, okay? So five Sundays. There's a total of five Sundays in the month of October. And it'll be from 4 p.m. to 5.30 p.m. So it's before the evening service. There's child care available. The cost of the class is $30, and that'll get you the book and the supplies that you need. And uh, Brother Lawrence is back there at the info booth. They have a postcard with the information also. And so uh, this is a huge deal, and we want everybody to take advantage of the parenting class. All right. And as we mentioned earlier, Harvest Fest season is upon us. Who's excited for Harvest Fest this year? Amen. This is our main event of the whole year. Uh, this is our big outreach, and uh, this year we're proclaiming and praying it's going to be the biggest and best yet. And so the candy bins are already out uh, back there at the info booth. There's one labeled teenagers. There's one labeled kids. And so uh, they do a competition every year. Whichever uh, class brings in the most candy wins uh, a party at the end. And so whoever you want to see win, uh, put it in there. Now, truth be told, the children usually win because little kids are cuter than teenagers. Am I right? They're adorable. Everybody knows it. But but you got to feel sorry for the teenagers, too. So, you know, uh, anyway, you just be led by God and bring some candy. And we want to reach as many people as we can. And they're also doing a change war between the two classes where they're bringing in change. And uh, I don't know exactly all the details on that. But uh, uh, the winning team is going to get a pizza party. Desiree, uh, are those bins going to be in here or those are going to be in their classrooms? Oh, okay. So the change bins will be back here by the info booth. And so if you want to throw coins in there and whichever side brings in the most of those at the end is going to win that also. So uh, it's going to be absolutely awesome. And there's a lot of other fundraisers coming up. But one, this sounds like the best one of all to me. All right. I'm just, I'm flat out excited. On Friday, September 22nd, we're going to be doing a drive through taco dinner. Hello. I said it. I said it, yeah. It's going to be a drive through taco dinner Friday, September 22nd. And uh, the cost is for adults, I believe it's a whole meal, okay? Adults, it's $12. Kids is $8. And all of the proceeds are going to Harvest Fest, okay? And so mark that on your calendars and take advantage of that. So that's coming up on Friday, September 22nd. All right. I told you it's getting busy around here, man. This is that time of year, amen? Okay, well, that's the announcements for right now. So who knows what time it is now? Yes, it is happy time, everybody, because God loves a cheerful giver. All right, if you need an envelope, raise your hand, and the ushers will get one to you. And we're going to open up our Bibles tonight to Luke chapter 16. Yes, Luke 16. And if you're giving online, you can go to hdwc.org slash giving. We're going to go to Luke chapter 16, 
and verse 22 in the NLT, Luke 16, verse 22 in the NLT. Got some words from Jesus right here regarding our finances. And he says, no one can serve two masters for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Who knows this tonight? That you cannot serve God and money at the exact same time. And so we know this much that money makes a good servant, but it makes a really bad master. Do you know that tonight? That you don't want money ordering you around, bossing you around and telling you what you can do and can't do because there's some things that God's going to say, hey, I need you to do this. And if money's your master, you'll say, no, God, I can't do it. But there's some things that your money may say, you can't do that. But God says, yes, you can. And so who's your master? Amen. You can't serve God and money at the exact same time. And so we choose to serve God. Who's with me tonight? Amen. We choose to serve him. And as we obey him with our money and serve him, he will always bring about the blessing in our lives. Amen. Well, let's go ahead and stand up together tonight. Praise God. We're going to stand up together and speak some words of faith over our giving. And we do everything by faith. So let's speak some faith and then we'll get into some praise and worship tonight. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth and business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's go. Feel free to join us up front for praise and worship, and let's worship the Lord together tonight.
Father, I want to thank you that we're not alone in this world. Lord, no matter where we go, where we live, whatever we're going through, your word says that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Jesus, you said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So, Father, we thank you that whatever battles we're facing tonight, whatever ugliness we have to look at tomorrow, Lord, we know that if we keep our eyes on you, you do give us the victory. And I want to thank you tonight as I preach and teach your holy written word that you're going to give me utterance and grace and anointing with the word that flows and that people are going to see and know and have the faith to do what they've got to do to win the impossible things that are possible to them. But your word says all things are possible to him that believeth. And so I want to thank you that their believing level is going to rise tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> you know, I was thinking, as we were singing both those songs there, I never know what songs we're going to sing. But there, I could have used the titles of those songs to put for the title of what I'm teaching tonight. I, I think about Christians. If we would even believe the words that the songs of faith we change, there'd be no more depression. Amen. We've read the end of the book. Has anybody ever heard that expression in Christianity? Uh, we're not afraid because we read the end of the book. We know how it turns out. Well, there's a verse in Revelation chapter 12. That's the last book of the Bible. That 12, chapter 12, verse 11, I've looked at so many times. And it says that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Love not our lives till the death. And so, so many times when I've been in impossible situations, I've looked at that. And I've said, Jesus, your word says you saw me overcome. So what did I do to overcome? And I always get the answer. I always see what to do. And so anyway, uh, that, that's not a verse we're using tonight, but it's a really good one for what we're looking at. And uh, the title of the message, I hope you're taking notes. I always encourage so much to bring a notebook, a pen, and your Bible. But the title is What to Do When You Don't Know What to Do. Amen. I told Mrs. Pastor, she asked me to supper time, and I said, what are you going to preach on tonight? And I said, I said, what to do when you don't know what to do? She kind of giggled like you did and thought, well, well that's kind of cute. I said, well, this is one of the rare times that Jesus gave me the title before he gave me the sermon. Normally, I write out sermons, and after I'm done, I start praying, but what should I call this? What title do you want on this? But today, when I was thinking about tonight, he gave me that. I just wrote out what I'm going to preach. But when I was praying about what he wanted to show his people tonight, and when I, when I pray, I, I pray, pray in two or three different dimensions to cover what we're going to cover. Number one, I pray for the people that are present in this sanctuary tonight. But then you realize now we're out there on social media, and there's people in other countries around the nation that hear this. And so when I pray, I'm not just praying for what you need, but for what they need. And then also... I look into the future. 
I pray for what people in the future, whether they're surfing the internet and pull this up off of YouTube or Facebook or somewhere else, what they're going to see, that things I say tonight will talk to somebody 10 years from now or wherever it is, because the Word of God is the same yesterday and today and forever, because Jesus is the Word. And so that's what I'm looking at. So tonight specifically, when I was praying this morning, I asked the Lord what he wanted me to say to you tonight, the questions you had and what you needed. All of a sudden, I started seeing a lot of faces that are here tonight. And uh, I'm not really intimately involved with the pastor of the church now, Pastor Dave, Pastor Katie. They're the ones that are, but I still know enough of you know things going on in your lives. Some of you right now are saying, I just don't know what to do. And somebody asked you about the things you're looking at, and your answer is always, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Well, that's why he gave me this title, what to do when you don't know what to do. Amen. And so anyway, I want you to look at James chapter 1. And I'm going to show you by the Holy Ghost, in the Holy Written Word of God, what to do when you don't know what to do. James chapter 1, verse 2, I'll give you a chance to get there. I think probably about every time I preach, I'm going to quote Romans 10, 17, because Romans 10, 17 says, Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And so not only hearing it, but seeing it, it does so much when you look at your Bible and you see these scriptures. And so that's why I don't like to rush things. <clears throat> I want to make sure I see people that they've got the place where they actually see them with their own eyes, because this is what you need to do. You need to hit faith, and it only comes by hearing God's word. And so James chapter 1, verse 2 says this, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. Everybody that lives on earth, saved and unsaved, falls into divers temptations. That means hard times, things challenge you. Even, even as serious Christians, things sometimes come at us and hit us as pastors and believers and if we tell the truth we say I never saw that coming but guess what we're prepared for emergencies we're we're prepared for the attacks that come and that's what we're talking about we're always prepared and so whatever, whatever has hit you in this season of life now listen to me how many number one how many believe that Jesus is real how many believe that God the Father is real? And the Holy Spirit that lives in you is real? Well, I want to give you a little inside information. Whatever it was you're facing that hit you, it never caught God off guard. It might, it might have hit you by surprise. It didn't take him by surprise. Amen. And so you've got to always remember, I, I like to call it this way. Too many Christians don't consider the God factor. Amen. The God factor. It doesn't make any difference how big and how bad and how impossible the situation is. God makes a difference. He makes a difference. But it takes two. It takes him telling you what to do from the word of God by the Holy Spirit. Then it takes you to grab a hold of it. Begin to speak it, put action to it. There's the God part, there's the yard part. But so many Christians look at the mountain, and in Mark chapter 11, Jesus says, speak to the mountain. 
But he said, speak to the mountain, tell it to be removed. And so many Christians say, the mountain's getting bigger. That's not what he said. Tell it to be removed. You're facing money problems, or you're facing family problems, sickness, jobs, whatever it is. And every time you talk about how big and impossible it is, you're saying, mountain, you're getting bigger. And every time you tell the mountain to get bigger, it grows a little bit in your imagination. I'd like to be able to preach my sermon, but somebody need to hear that. Talk to the mountain, but talk to it like Jesus said, talk to it. Tell mountain, you're getting smaller, you're getting out of here. Financial things, you're changing. Health, you're changing. Family, you're coming together. Job, you're going to either give me a raise or I'm getting another job that's a better job. Things are going to change. But anyway, uh, while praying, I saw a lot of your faces and knew a lot of things are going on in your life. But uh, I want to say it again. Things that are impossible to you, they're not poss- impossible to Jesus. And I was thinking about something else, too. People think about how hard it is to use faith. Well, guess what? If you could do it on your own, you wouldn't need faith. Faith is how we live. We walk by faith, not by sight. And so we must use our faith to win. But if you didn't need faith that can win on your own, you don't need Jesus. He gets glory. He gets glory when your faith in him causes the problem to be removed like the mountain. So anyway, uh, what to do when you don't know what to do? Well, I'll tell you this automatically. Don't quit. You have got to have it. In your conscious, in your heart, you've got to be trained. Uh, I've got, I've got a granddaughter that's about 19 years old now. She's been training for the Olympics all of her life since she was a little girl. I hardly ever get to see them when we visit or anything because she's training practically seven days a week, has her whole life. She's trained and she's got herself trained in automatic pilot. No matter what she hurts, where she hurts at or what it feels like, she trains. And Christians, have got to have training in them. Now, the inside of them, there's something that says, I'll never quit. I don't quit. I don't quit. I don't quit. I don't quit. What don't you quit? Well, number one, you don't quit on God. Number two, you don't quit on your church family. I'm thinking, I'm thinking about this church tonight. I, I'm really not a singer. I joked around with the praise team a while ago that I sang in the key of P. And nobody can get on there with me. That's a key of pastor. I've got my own private key that uh, doesn't harmonize with anybody but me and Jesus. But anyway, that's so what I'm saying is I'm not a music person. A lot of people listen to music things. Back when I was a young Christian and drove a truck, I never listened to music on the Christian radio or on the eight-track tapes I had and things like that. I always listened to the Word of God. I listened to preaching. I listened to teaching. I listened to the Bible being read out loud. I always listened to that because that's the way I was wired. But anyway, coming into church tonight, I heard those two songs we we were singing. And I thought, boy, oh boy, if anybody in this church is depressed to have a troubled life, they came here tonight, they got set free just by the music. And that's that's why the devil wants you to quit on church. He doesn't want you walking through those doors there. And by the time you walk through those doors there and you were feeling so dejected, your bottom lip hanging down, you're tripping over something. That's my lip. 
because you were so looking down, so depressed. You walk in, about 15 or 20 of these people look at you and say, how you doing? I'm blessed. How you doing? Well, you're going to fake it till you make it then. Because you're in the atmosphere. And how are you going to think I'm going to be the only one in here that's not blessed? You're not going to think that. You might have thought that coming in, but you get this atmosphere. By the time you leave here, you're not looking down, you're looking up. Amen. So I want to say this again. What do you do when you don't know what to do? Well, number one, you don't quit. You don't quit on your church family because it might be next week. You're the one that's seeing this other person come through the door. And you're saying, hallelujah, glory to God. Things are wonderful. And last week, you're the one that needs somebody to tell you that. Amen. I'm doing better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. So don't quit. And so anyway, I want want you to see this here. The Holy Spirit, the first says what to do. He says, count it all joy. That's what you do. You count it all joy when you're going through hard times. It says in various temptations and trials. You know, there's an old, there's an old saying that before I got saved that people used to use a lot, which I never used after I got saved, I'd get hit with problems in life and they'd say, well, when it rains, it pours. Well, that's what you call various trials, divers temptations. When it rains, it pours. Well, you know what I say? When it rains, it pours out blessings on me. Pours out the anointed God on me. Years ago, I used to hate to go to the mailbox. We were going through lots of financial troubles, lots of problems, and never knowing what bad news was going to be at the mailbox next. I retrained my thinking. I started thinking, well, if bad news could come in that little box, good news can too. If overdue bills can come, checks can come. And so I changed my attitude, and I started counting it all joy when the mail came. I didn't dread the mail lady coming. We had a mail lady. I didn't dread seeing that little mail car come. I started having joy. Say, glory to God, today's the day. Checks in the mail. Gifts and surprises. Glory to God, money showed up today. And you know what? Money started showing up when I needed it. Through the mailbox or somewhere else. But I counted all joy. I counted all joy. And someone I was looking at this this morning, uh, I, I wrote this question down. How do you count it all joy? Number one, this means you laugh by faith. You laugh by faith. You've got to train yourself to laugh when you want to cry. There's a time for crying, but it's not when the devil is trying to attack you and destroy your life. That's the time for laughing at the devil. In Psalms 37 and Psalms 8, it says that God that sits in the heavens laughs because he knows the devil's day's coming. Amen. And so you laugh by faith, you smile by faith. You smile by faith. You smile by faith. I have been hit so hard in some times past, I actually stood in front of the mirror and I went like this. Had my mouth to try to go like that. I'd look in the mirror and I'd go, because I went into my job. Here I am, a, a truck driver, working with probably 90% unsaved people. And they're all having fun because of the sin they're in, the things they're doing. And me, the Christian, the one that's got the witness of God in me to come in and help them, me walk into the job, and they're all happy about all the sin they're having me walk in. So I, I trained myself to smile 
That's counting it all joy. What do you do? You don't know what to do? Well, the Bible says, have joy. The verse I'm not thinking of till just now, Nehemiah 8.10 says that the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And I'm thinking about Pastor Dave. He taught for the last two months on the fruit of the Spirit. Well, what's the fruit of the Spirit? Galatians 5.22 says, love, joy. What follows love and joy? Peace. It's a whole lot easier to sleep when you got peace. But to have the peace, you got to love God, love people, and you've got to walk in joy. You've got to make yourself smile. He said, count it all joy. I'd, I'd just like to paraphrase that and say it this way. Have joy by faith. Act like you've already won. The song we just sang, he, he gives me the victory. I see the victory. Well, if you see it, well, how do you see it? By faith. Walk by faith, not by sight. Start seeing what life is like if the mountain were removed. The mountain will never be removed unless you tell it to. And then start laughing at it. Then start laughing at it. We've been through seasons of life where really bad things would happen. And glory to God made it through that. And before the smoke of that battle cleared, here come two more attacks from different directions. And so we would just laugh. And sometimes... I know the devil overplayed his hands because, you know, when something happens in your life, one or two bad things, you think, man, whew, boy, I didn't like that. But all of a sudden you get overwhelmed, three or four happen, then it becomes very obvious there's an attack going on. And that's when it becomes so easier for us to shift into that joy mode, just start laughing, man, this is so obvious what's happening. We don't believe in luck, we believe in blessings. And so this stuff starts happening. Man, this is so obvious what's going on. We are in the will of God. We're on the right road. Satan hates so much what we're doing. He's trying to destroy us. What else can we do but laugh? Amen. That's what you have to do. And I know there's people in here tonight that you need to hear this. And not just hear this, you need to do this. Matter of fact, uh, not in the notes, but let's just, let's just have one workout together. Are you ready? Smiles, put your smiles on. Are you ready? Laugh. Ha 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 ha. See, you can do it. You can do it. That shows you right there. You know, people go to the gym early in the morning. They get up early in the morning to go work out their physical bodies. Why didn't you get up early and work out your spiritual life too? You have the morning time you get up, just start laughing. And then when those, those pictures come of what you're going to face today, and then sometimes you'll go, you'll go on the Facebook internet and see if the problem's still out there. It's still there. And then what are you doing? You're pumping yourself up to lose. Quit looking to see if the problem's still there. Look to see if Jesus is still on your side. Amen. And then start having, having that workout. Start laughing. But anyway, look at this right here. Uh, you smile by faith. You have a glad, not sad attitude by faith. A glad, not sad attitude by faith. I, I, years ago, as a young Christian, when I learned how important my heart and my words were with receiving God, no matter what I was going through, my standard answer to everybody was I'm blessed. Well, how are you doing today? Well, I might have just had a lot of bad financial calamity. Might have had health attacks on me or somebody in my family. 
might have job problems, but that doesn't change what the Word of God says. Ephesians 1, 3 says we're blessed. Amen. So if the Bible says I'm blessed, why don't I say I'm blessed? Amen. Well, uh, well, how you doing today, Brother Bernie? Well, I'm going to give you an organ recital. Does anybody know what an organ recital is? My head hurts. My belly hurts. Uh, uh, I think my heart hurts. Uh, uh, my lungs hurt. I hurt. That's called an organ recital. Well, you might be hit with all those different things. Don't give an organ recital. Just say that the Bible says I'm blessed. And if you're too timid to say that's somebody that doesn't believe in Jesus, say, I'm doing very well. Thank you. Man, I'm doing great. Thank you. I'm doing awesome. Thank you. And you know what's happening when you're saying that? The devil's kind of going back to take a retake and look at you and think, we may have, we may have to try this in a different direction. What we're doing is not working. But you know what else has happened then? The angels of God are gathered around you. The Holy Spirit on the inside of you, you said, boy, I sure am glad she said that. I'm glad he said that. Now I've got something to work with. They're agreeing with God. Amen. Is this helping anybody? Amen. Has anybody besides me ever saw impossible things that you knew wasn't going to happen unless God turned it around? Amen. We have won 100% of the time. We've lost a few battles, but we won the war every time. Amen. But here's what I want you to see. This next part right here. He says, he says, count it all joy with your face and things. Why does God tell us to do this? He gives you the answer. Verse three he says, knowing this, you count all joy because you know something. Knowing this, knowing this, what does God want you to know? He says this, that the trying of your faith produces patience. Well, see right there's the fruit of the spirit again. Talk about the joy, talk about the patience, another fruit of the spirit. The fruit of the spirit are beginning to be developed in your life when you're in times of testing, then the fruit's going to grow in your life. And knowing this, what does God want us to know? When our faith is being tested and we keep our joy, our patience will get stronger and grow. Our patience will get stronger and grow. As your patience is getting stronger, it's easy to keep on keeping on. You keep on doing and you don't quit because patience is working. Uh, I just, there's so many things that I wish that Christians really get a hold of that the Bible's true. In Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit is not just some good verse to memorize. The fruit of the Spirit is something powerful God gave you to win in life and not be a quitter. Love, joy, uh, peace, long-suffering, long-suffering, that's in there with patience. Long-suffering. Sometimes you have to suffer long till you win. We're not talking about sickness and disease and things like that. I know when I was a truck driver, and I worked on truck docks for a lot of years, there were so many people I didn't even like seeing. Supervisors and other people because they were so hard to be around. And the, 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 I think the, the longest suffering I had was with fellow employees. I need the paycheck. God had me there. That's where I had to be there. And then one day, I really learned from Jesus why I was there. The paycheck was nice, but that was my mission field. If I worked with all Christians, who would I witness to? 
We can stand around and talk about the Bible all day long. And we talk about uh, church services and sermons and songs and things like that. But when you get out there where the rubber meets the road, he said, go you into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He said, lay hands on the sick, cast out demons. He said to share the love of God. By this shall men know you, my disciples, if you have love one for another. So the day that the Lord told me when I was praying to get out of there, he said, you haven't done what you're supposed to do yet. I've got you here because these guys here are going to go to hell if you don't be here. And so he gave me something they didn't have. You don't have the fruit of the Spirit till you're saved. I had the patience in me, and my patience developed by sticking out, being cussed at, lied upon. Uh, they they draw dirty pictures, put my name upon them on, on, on semi-trailers inside working. They put dirty pictures on put my name by them because I was a very bright light there, and they didn't like it. And so they did everything they could try to humiliate me and run me off. But I didn't run off. I was on assignment. I had people to win, and so the darker it got, the brighter my light was. That help anybody? You are there, not for you. You get a paycheck. And so I changed my attitude because I knew I was called to preach. I changed my attitude that this is my current congregation. I got to get them saved. And then I got my paycheck. I always thank the Lord for the love offering I got for preaching to those people. I drove big rigs. I didn't drive little, little old pickup trucks. I drove big rigs. And every time I took a big rig out, I walked around it, doing my inspection, looking at my lights and my tires and everything. As I walked around, I said, Lord, I want to thank you. This is my sanctuary on wheels. This is my chapel on wheels. And everywhere I go, I'm taking church with me. I'd back up into warehouses and factories. And as soon as the rear of my truck touched that dock, I said, Lord, this is sacred territory. And then as I walked into that building for people to come into my truck on tow motors, forklifts, uh, whatever, to unload the stuff, walking in there to get boxes, I said, I'd watch that at the back of my truck at a point down. I'd say, devil, there's a bloodline right here. I said, this is their place. This is my place. They cross that bloodline, they're mine. And they'd walk into my trailer. I can't tell you how many times I'd hear people try to cuss and they couldn't. They sputter, they spit, they get tongue-tied. All of a sudden they go, oh, shucky dirt, gosh dirt it. Oh, heck. Start saying things like that. Then they walk back into the warehouse, the cussing started again. Because I had a holy trailer of God that I was taking to these places. Because I saw my job not as a drudgery, not as a paycheck. I saw my job as being the will of God for a place he wanted. And I would pray every day for they'd send me out with a load of freight. I say, Lord, I want to thank you. Psalms 37, 23 says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. I want to thank you, Jesus, today that my dispatcher is the one that's sending me. You're putting it in his heart where you want to send me. And I'm going where people have a need. I just, this isn't the sermon. This is just a buddy trail. But the whole thing was, I learned to change my attitude from sadness to gladness by recognizing what the Bible says about my life. Amen. Amen. He's got a good plan for you, like Jeremiah twenty nine eleven says. Also, a good plan. And so, anyway, uh, you count it all joy. And so, joy and patience work together, and they'll they'll help you get stronger in your Christian life. But then look at verse five. 
I want you to see this. Now, this is what you do. Number one, you're keeping your joy. You're not a quitter. You're keeping your joy. Then you're walking in peace as your patience is growing. And then as you're facing the problem, as you're patient facing your problem, verse 5 says, if any of you lack wisdom, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask on Facebook. If any of you lack wisdom, run to all your unsaved friends and ask them what they would do. I want to tell you, as as a born-again Christian, one of the absolute worst things you can do is go to somebody and ask for advice about serious, serious issues in life of yours that don't even have the Holy Spirit in them. There's a lot of natural wisdom people can get apart from God, but I'm thinking about right. I'm thinking about Chuck. I mean, things they're looking at right now about some sales with all this Santa Fe stuff. They got things going on. There are a lot of people have a lot of natural wisdom. Only one person has the answer. And then some of you, some of the family problems you're facing. A lot of unsaved people live a while and they know some things about life. There's only one that knows the answer to what you're facing. There's only one. That's why he didn't say, if any of you lack wisdom, find some smart older guy to talk to. He said, ask of God, now look at this, <clears throat> that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. If anybody lacks wisdom, ask of God, and it shall be given him. And so Jesus told me in 1999, I spent a season seeking him about our church and things going on. He told me, if I would start looking at the wisdom of God as the plan of God, then I'd be able to understand what he was saying. How many can see that if you need wisdom, means you need a plan. Amen. Wisdom's not talking about being smart. The wisdom he's talking about here is something supernatural from God. And I was thinking today about Jeremiah 29, 11. A lot of you know that says, God said, I know the plans I have for you, plans for good and not for evil, to give you a future to hope. Well, today, for what I'm teaching tonight, it made sense to me why I just say, I know the plan I have for you. He said, the plans. Amen. God's got a master plan for your life. I knew that for me, the master plan was different than most of you. His master plan for me was to be a preacher. You know, everybody's not called to be a pastor. And anybody should be able to teach the Bible on their level to people they can teach. But I'm called to teach on a different level. And so that's God's plan. The God's master plan was for me to raise up preachers, raise up Christians, be victorious and win. And so that's, that's the master plan. But there's lots of other little steps in that plan along the way. And so in your life, you may know what the end result's supposed to be, the master plan. That's the wisdom of God for your life. But then to get there to accomplish that, you got no steps in between there. Like things you're facing right now, you got to know what's the current plan. Amen. And I want to tell you this. It's to me, I don't, I don't know how to express myself sometimes. I can't comprehend how things have changed in the last 50 or 60 years that I've seen. You know, I don't hardly look that old. I know it. Thank you. But there's so much change. This social media stuff has changed things so much. It can be such a blessing, but what a time stealer, what a killer, what a garbage thing. The last thing I would want want to do if I had a serious problem with my health 
would be able to go on some social media thing and hear about all the 55,000 people died of what I was diagnosed with. I'd rather go to the Bible and see what Jesus said and get his wisdom and how to live. The same thing about a home. Marriage problems. Children's problems. Why should you go to somebody, you don't know who they are, never see them, and hear all their bad luck stories about how they lost? Why not go to Jesus and say, Lord, I'm lacking wisdom right now. I'm asking you for your wisdom about what to do. We're asking for the plan about what to do. It says God will give it to you liberally. And so when you ask your Heavenly Father for his wisdom, you're really saying, what's your plan for? And I wrote in my notes a blank, fill in the blank. It might be right now, you might be in the midst of knowing that your business is going to go out of business. Or your company is going to have a layoff. Or something's getting ready to change that's really going to hurt you in the financial arena on your job. <clears throat> so you fill in the blank. Father, you said in James 1, 5, if I lack wisdom, I'm asking right now, Jesus, what's the plan for me at my job right now? What's the plan with my business, Jesus? That says he'll give it to you liberally. That means in abundance, you'll know more than enough of what to do and upgrade not be given you. But look at this. It says, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, nothing doubting. Ask in faith. Our devotion for this month, I don't know how many of you follow our devotion, but we print them up and we put them out there at the start of the month. They're online on hdwc.org. We got the devotions there. But this whole month is on faith. And it is really blessing me. God used me to write them, but I just, man, it's just amazing to me what's in those scriptures I got on there and the way that God's had me explain them, but to ask in faith. And faith has about three elements to it, just real simple. Because he said, if you're asking for wisdom, to ask in faith. And so if he tells you to ask in faith, it's a good thing to know from the Bible something about faith. And so number one, faith comes by hearing the word. Number two, Jesus told us in Mark 11, we release our faith by acting, confessing the word, speaking the word. And so when you ask for wisdom, then the next thing you got to do is say, thank you, Lord. I believe I've received. I believe I've received. You said, if I ask, you give. And so I thank you. I'm not going to ask you for wisdom about this again tomorrow. I ask you today, you said you gave it to me. So I believe the wisdom of God is working in me. I'm seeing and knowing and then uh, James 1, 22 said, be doers of the word. And so when you ask in faith, you believe you receive, you're thanking him for it. And then you start speaking out that I've got the wisdom of God. I remember when I got the greatest revelation on this, I was a baby pastor back in 1992, hadn't been pastored very long. And my music minister worked in a factory and they, and they was laying people off and things were happening. And he was very conscientious of being a good Christian witness to all of his family. And so he said, Pastor, what am I going to do? I said, well, let's just pray about the wisdom of God. So we prayed. I had him pray that prayer. Lord, I'm asking for your wisdom. This, He said, yeah, but now what am I going to do with all my different family members come and look at me, the Christian, and say, well, what are you going to do about a job? What are you going to do? I said, all you have to tell them is this. I've asked for the wisdom of God. And by the time I have to make a decision, I know exactly what to do because I ask him. And so I'm not going to be out on the street. God will show me what to do in more than enough time because I've asked him. And this is what you've got to do. 
when you don't know what to do, then you ask God for that wisdom. And then you begin to confess. I'll know exactly what to do by the time I have to do it. It might be a big financial thing getting ready to happen. And you don't see how that can come to pass. But your whole thing is, I want to thank you, Lord. I'll know exactly what to do by the time that day comes. When that day comes, because you set up, I asked for your wisdom, you give it to me. When that day comes, I'll know exactly what to do. Because you said, if I ask in faith, you give it to me. Does that make sense to you? That's how you do. But I'm going to look at a couple things here. I'm not going to be able to get to where I wanted to go. Maybe next week I'll get to. But anyway, look at the rest of this then. It says, ask in faith, nothing wavering, nothing doubting. And then verse 7, talk about the man that doubts. For let, let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. If you're a doubter and you keep on confessing, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Then you're saying that Jesus didn't hear me when I asked for his wisdom. Because when I asked for it, he gave it to me. So now I will know what to do by the time I have to do it. So he says, you receive nothing. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And so you know what a double-minded man is? One day you're saying, I've got the plan of God. I don't know what to do. The next day when the pressure is on, you said, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I, I don't know what we're going to do. I, also, I don't know what we're going to do. You became double-minded. And so here is these verses that brought us in 2005 from Indiana to California. We did not know one single person in California. We didn't know anybody in Barstow. We didn't know there was a Barstow, California. And so we knew that God had something for us to do. We began to pray and we prayed this out. And when he said to me, from the word of God, now listen to this, write this down if you're facing crisis right now. He said, a double-minded man is unstable. See, anybody know what an unstable person is? It's hard to be around an unstable person. Man, sometimes they're cussing. Sometimes they're wanting to fight everybody. They want to blame you. They want to blame some, blame some politician. They want to blame somebody all the time. You never know. If they're going to attack you, they're going to be your best friend that day because they're unstable. And so the Lord told me when we were praying about his plan for our life, we asked for the wisdom. In this, this came out of me. Well, if a double-minded man's unstable in all of his ways, then the opposite of that is a stable man, a single-minded man. So if a person becomes single-minded, they become stable. And so then two weeks later, he gave me the answer. He said, the only way a Christian can be single-minded is to be word-minded. If you become a word-minded man, you're a single-minded man. If you're looking at the financial things, all comes out of your mouth is Philippians 4.19. My God shall supply all of my need. I have a tithe that the devourer is rebuked. I give it as given unto me. Good measure, pressed down, shake. You're single-minded. No matter what happens, somebody says... Well, hey, how you guys do about money right now? My God supplies all of my need. According to his rich and glory by Christ Jesus. If it's healing things you're looking at, by his stripes I was healed. By his stripes I'm healed. You're single-minded. You're not double-minded. And guess what? You're stable now. You become stable. Amen. Is this getting into you seeing this? And so these few verses right here is what you do when you don't know what to do. 
Amen. Let patience have its perfect work. Become single-minded. And above all else, laugh, laugh, laugh. Joy, joy, joy. Smile, smile, smile. And what I do when I'm preaching, honestly, if I'm looking out and I see a bunch of sad faces, I look around for the Nadines. I look around for the Daves. I look around for the Lindas. I look around for the Amy's. I look for the smiley faces because I draw strength off of smiley faces. And so I suggest to you, if you're going through a hard time, don't hang around with depressed people. Don't stare at depressed people. Break some joy. And if you're around depressed people, you become contagious, not them. Let them catch your joy, not you catch their depression. Amen. Glory to God. That's probably a good place to shut it off. Amen. And so, uh, whatever it is you're facing, next somebody asks you what you're going to do, say, I'll tell you one thing I'm not going to do, I'm not going to quit. Amen. I'm going to stick with the plan. What's the plan? I asked God for it. He gave it to me. I'll let you know it when I know it. But I asked him, so I've got it. (laughs) Hallelujah. Let's stand up. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. I do not know about you, but I preach myself plumb happy. Amen. 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 Well, we're going we're to do what we do here. We're going to have our altar call. And uh, anything you need, we want to help you with. And sometimes, sometimes evil spirits oppress you. That doesn't mean you've got a demon in your body, you've got a demon in your soul or anything like that. Sometimes they just get on you and make you feel down for no reason at all. You think, man, why would I be depressed? I have no reason to be depressed. Why is this on me? Well, if you want hands laid on you, we don't have magic wands, but we've got anointing. Jesus was really big on saying lay hands on people. And so when we as believers, when we as preachers lay hands on people that have problems, we release anointing. It doesn't remove problems, but the anointing causes you to see clear, helps you to make choices. If you've got pain in your body and you're hurting because of things, anointing will knock those things out. Anointing will help clear your head up so you can think clear. So if you need anything, come up here. And any one of us up here have the anointing. Uh, Pastor Dave, I, we have no special anointing that somebody else doesn't have, doesn't have to, unless the gift of spirit begin to operate. So no matter who you come to, Jesus is the one going to do it anyway. And so come to any one of us if you need prayer, and we're going to help you, and you're going to know what to do when you don't know what to do.
I'm gonna see a victory For the battle belongs to you, Lord I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory For the battle belongs to you, Lord There's power in the mighty name of Jesus. Every war he wages, he will win. I'm not backing down from any giant. I know how this story see a victory I'm gonna see a victory for the battle belongs to you Lord I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory for the battle belongs to you see a victory I'm gonna see a victory for the battle belongs to you Lord I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory for the battle belongs to you
been blessed by the word of God tonight. Amen. I believe that was just an awesome, timely word for so many of us. And I encourage you, you can always go back and watch it online all over again and make sure that you, uh, that you get it. Amen. So thank you, Jesus, for that. Uh, they wanted me to remind you that if we could get a couple of guys to help brother Robert out, they're going to set up. No, you already took care of that. Okay. Hey, we're putting the youth to work. That's, hey, that's good. Amen. Thank All right. <laughs> so they're going to be setting up some tables for uh, the women's meeting on Friday night. Amen. And so uh, just ladies, remember that and be here this weekend. It's going to be a really awesome weekend. Amen. Uh, we're going to have both services going and we want to see everybody there. It's going to be great. All right. Let's go ahead and we are going to close out in prayer tonight and then we will do our Barstow Faith Confession. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for what we've seen in the word of God tonight. And, Lord, we know that even when we're going through difficulty, you said to count it all joy because the trying of our faith, it produces patience. And so, Lord, we are growing in you. We are growing in our faith. We are growing in our patience. And, Lord, we know that the best is yet to come. And so let us take this word in our hearts this week, Lord. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Can everybody say amen tonight. Hallelujah. 
Amen. And uh, just a quick family announcement. It's really important that you're here this Sunday morning. We've got a super cool and wonderful announcement that I want to make after the service. And I, I don't want to, I'm not going to give it tonight, but I'd really, it'd mean a lot to me if you were here Sunday because I want you to hear it in person. It's really, really, really good news, but uh, you know, I don't want to do it on, you know, on the internet. So be here Sunday morning if you can, especially if you're a member of High Desert Word Center because we got some awesome, incredible news that I want to share with you in person, okay? So, love you. All right, let's go ahead and do our Barstow Faith Confession. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we'll see.